welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they've built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Welcome back to the Hive Podcast. Thanks for listening each and every week. Man, I have a great guest in store for you guys this week. He is a tech YouTuber, a reviewer, and as Drone Brews Live calls him, the father of technical conversation, the prince of pixels, doctor of dynamic range, and master of stabilization, Mr. Gerald Undunn. Welcome, dude. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> that yeah. intro is something else, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, doing this, that's, that's my favorite part is the interest, trying to come up with something to introduce the guest. And that's, I don't know, that's been my favorite part so far of podcasting. It's been great. <laughs> that's good. Uh, well, for you guys that don't know Gerald, Gerald is part of the Canadian mafia of YouTubers. And, and uh, he is just, his videos, you will learn something when you watch his videos. Um, they're all about camera gear and he dives more in depth than anybody I know into the specs and just everything regarding camera gear. It's it's amazing, man. You do a, a great a great job. I always learn something, um, but so much of it goes way over my head sometimes. But it's it's great. You do a fantastic job. Thanks, thanks so much. That's really flattering. I appreciate it. I uh, I'm glad to hear. It's always great to hear that people. I don't know, get something of value out of the videos, obviously. I suppose that's the reason why I make them, ultimately. So thanks for saying that. Yeah, so I, I you know, I want to dive into your YouTube journey. Um, you're currently sitting at 191,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is just, it's it's mind-boggling that, yeah, crazy. you know, that many people are willing to hit that subscribe button and, and give you the time, which, I mean, it's, it's not like surprising. An it's mind-boggling that that many people would want to watch. <laughs> I know. I agree. <laughs> I didn't people mean it as like a, as an insult, but um, no. So I want to talk about how you got started in YouTube. To kind of start the conversation. Um, how long have you been doing it? Yeah, it's always a hard question. So this, like, for, I guess what people would want to know, the answer is early, like February 2018. But there was an the Gerald and Dunn channel actually existed from August 2016. And then I've been on YouTube doing different things off and on since like really early days, like 2006, 2007. Um, but yeah, so depending on, I guess, like how the angle that you're asking, it's either, oh, you know, two and a half years to the beginning of time. Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, the camera gear side of it like I, I shifted to focus on that primarily I would say like February 2018 I started the channel in August 2016 but I'd started it to try and do like variety content you know like some sketch and comedy and but uh, at the same time I was also I guess like I liked what Casey Neistat was doing that he was like you know trying to at the time I think he was working on beam or whatever it was like a business while also vlogging that whole thing so I had like a different take on it which was to share the camera equipment that I was using and how I was making my goofy videos at the same time. But on, the only videos that did well because variety content has been like very difficult to market on YouTube for the last like decade. Um, so the only 
videos that did well were the gear videos. So after a while of like them being like 10 to 1, 20 to 1 on the view ratios, I decided, okay, well, clearly people just want to see the gear videos. So I'll just make only those from now on. And that was, like I said, February 2018. So you can still see some old gear videos on my channel. But those were the ones that were interspersed with silly, absurd comedy videos. I just watched one uh, right before we jumped on this Zoom call. I think it was from four years ago. It was your Canon EF 16 to 35 millimeter <laughs> F4. And the reason I watched that one, because it caught my eye because you were sniffing the bag. You were doing the Jared <laughs> Poland sniff test in that video. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that video is not even very helpful. I left it up because it's like early days. I left up a couple like early day videos, I guess, to have like a milestone, but... I don't know, if you watched, I mean, I, I'd say at least by today's standards of my videos, I don't think there's much to actually get <laughs> from watching that video. <laughs> it, it, it almost doesn't even look like you. Yeah. It was from so long ago. <laughs> um, so what made you, I guess, you know, why camera gear? How did you get into camera gear to make that transition from doing the the variety kind of comedy stuff to to camera equipment? I mean, I was, I guess I was already into it. I, I, I've been into my... If you had to classify me in some way, it would be that I'm, I guess, like a computer nerd. I've been into, because when I say like tech has such a such a broad term, like people who say that they're doing tech channels now, they focus a lot on like phones and and smart devices and that kind of thing. But my idea of me being like a tech nerd sort of predates that, and it's not really so much about phones. It'd be more like like I had computers when I was a kid in the '80s. So um, I've been into like computers and like systems and that kind of thing my whole life, and I had photography is a little bit of a hobby when I was a when I was a kid I used it mostly just to document things that I was building other things you know computers and Lego and stuff like that um but and those were film cameras and then I, I guess I just, and and I never really cared that much I just thought it was like a weird hobby but then when I was in high school I I really got into video for again for making absurd videos they were they were kind of like my way of making school projects and that kind of thing if there, if there was a video option I would opt in to make what I thought was a comedy video, but I don't think anybody got it. This is like some weird level, like, you know, David Lynch, <laughs> absurd type <laughs> of stuff I was making. That's awesome. Um, but again, sort of like a side project, right? And then kept focusing on computers and that kind of thing, and then writing and, and so on as I got older. Um, but then years later, after I guess kind of forgetting about cameras for a while, when I met my partner who was a photographer and was just starting... Uh, well, we started, we, she was just looking to start this, um, this new venture into hockey photography and sports photography and needed some sort of like other aspects that were more systems related that I was able to help with. But at that time, that was like when cameras were, I don't know, getting pretty amazing. That's like 5D Mark II, 5D Mark III just came out, like that kind of stuff. So like really, really cool era for cameras. And I guess like my computer nerd side kicked in and I was like, oh, wow, like look at all this crazy stuff these cameras can do now. And I just kind of fell in love with them and um, really wanted to explore them in the, and fill in all the gaps from information I never had with the hobby stuff I was doing when I was younger. And I guess that pursuit of me wanting to learn more about the, the intricacies of it and also, I guess, showcase the stuff that I had found or was working on or the new gear I was using because I had access to it because of the business that those are the videos that I was posting early on. And eventually people liked the deep dives that I was doing. And so I just kind of refined the channel into more of like, here's some other cool stuff that, you know, I found out or that I find interesting or that I feel like nobody's talking about or whatever, like just stuff like that. I, I guess that would be the abbreviated journey, even though I rambled on for a few minutes. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I love, I love hearing it and how um, channels transition. I think it's cool to learn too that, 
you started YouTube not doing what you're doing now. It, it, it was a totally different avenue and, and you adjusted and you changed. Um, I'm curious though, how, looking back at your journey, how do you, how did you get to where you're at now? Maybe not with the subscriber count or even like the quality of your videos, but just the information of your videos um, from kind of like a basic overview to these just crazy in-depth videos about sensors and um, can, uh, color profiles. I mean, they're just, how do you, how do you go down that rabbit hole when you're deciding to make a video and how do you choose what information goes into that video? It was a little bit at a time. Um, I think late 2018 is when I first started maybe throwing some, throwing some feelers out there that, I mean, they were pretty, pretty in depth then. I think the first one that maybe gave me an indication that, that they're, people were interested in this. I, I'm not saying that I do my whole channel based on other people, but I do try to be helpful. And so reception to the videos is a good indicator for me whether or not a video is, is helpful or not, right? Um, based on if people are searching for it, something, you know, there's some kind of metric there to let you know that. So I made a video, I, I want to say this was one of the early ones, and it was explaining how Micro Four Thirds got its name and it kind of aligned for me well because it was like, I think the 10th anniversary of the Micro Four Thirds system and like around that time. And I was shooting on a Micro Four Thirds camera and I looked up, why is it called Micro Four Thirds anyway? Um, and, I, and I fell in this weird rabbit hole where it had nothing to do with the ratio, four to three aspect ratio of the sensor. And I thought that was insane because that's all I'd ever heard was that it's it's four to three and then it went in this whole thing with like tv tubes and like cathode ray and like the way they measure these like things inside of an old tv tube and how the math is like really obscure on that and I was like this is fascinating and it took me a while just to kind of like digest it in a way that I thought made sense and then I was like I have this kind of like this now like digestible packet that I find fascinating Maybe I'll make a video on it to celebrate the, the 10th anniversary of the Micro Four Thirds. And if, and if it doesn't fly, then I could, could just be a, an anniversary video and who cares, right? A uh, guy just li likes his camera. But it, it really flew. Like, it flew really well. And that's still one of my top probably five best performing videos of all time. Um, and, you know, there were some criticisms of just kind of like, who cares? Why are you going so, so deep into it? But there was a lot of people that are like, oh, this is so nerdy and I love it. And the amount of comments that were like that is like, huh. There's a surprisingly large audience of people that find stuff like this interesting. And I mean, I'm not the first person that invented this. Since then, I've seen these channels out there that exist solely for this purpose, like Tom Scott, who I absolutely love. He just, he's just he got millions of subscribers, and he just like makes five-minute rants on like really niche things. And um, yeah, so the, the feedback was positive, and, and, and I, the numbers were good. So I was like, all right, well, then people want to see this kind of stuff. And then it became more of trying to... I think it became a brand thing, really, is that rather than it being a video where you do some reviews, you do some tutorials, and then you make a nerdy video. And I made a playlist for it called Nerdy Explanations. And every once in a while, I would make one of those just kind of like, let's talk about, you know, depth of field. And we make like a nerdy video. Let's talk about color science. Eventually, it became where it was just attached to me as an idea. So I had to start. I didn't have to, but I was, I was more comfortable with letting it seep into my tutorials and my reviews and just kind of take over. And I actually think that's been very beneficial for my channel growth. I think that it helped me have a clear, like people be able to have a clear understanding of, I guess, like who I am, even if it's from a meme perspective or just from a branding perspective, but they know me now as the guy that like does, like like your intro, like most of the sentences, like that's how I'm known now. And so it's worked for, for branding. And so 
I would actually give that as advice if I had to for whatever it is that that a person wants to do is the the audience might seem smaller up front or it might seem really niche to you but if you lean in hard to it it's so much easier to market yourself or brand yourself because you you now like have carved out it like you know what I'm saying rather than being broad yeah you, like you've carved something out for yourself your channel is almost a niche within a niche I mean it's, true you know the camera and gear stuff but like you said, you leaned in even deeper, harder into it, uh, making these very technical videos that are extremely helpful. And it definitely is a brand thing. I know you hear it all the time when people have a question it, about something, they they often just send them a you know a link to one of your videos to answer the question. Everybody turns uh, turns to your channel for for information. It's it's fantastic. What's your process when you're planning a video? Let's just let's take. Um, I don't know, let me just pick a video on your channel. Let's sure. let's say the Aperture uh, B7C review. Right. You know, where do you where do you start on your reviews? So when you're planning that that video. I guess, like to be fair, I don't know. If this is if this is rel- like this is something you think that people care about. But there's always the back and forth emailing with the company. If it's a product that isn't out yet, you kind of have to get it. You're like, I got to get that. I want to make a video on that. People want to see that. People have been asking me about it. Whatever. So you got to do a bit of that back and forth you know, getting, getting the product, waiting for it to be shipped to you, all that kind of stuff. So there's that whole thing, which actually gives you some time to, um, maybe have a bit more planning than you would otherwise, if it just magically showed up. But then once you get it anyway, um, I then, I have sort of just like a first, I do kind of like a first impressions to myself that I don't really film, but I just, I generally keep a notepad beside me for the most part. And that'll just be, if it was my experience, I don't really do unboxings and stuff on my channel anymore. So I'll unbox it all like, I don't know, just kind of evaluate my whole experience with it. And then usually I will put it on a shelf that's, that I have quick access to, but I won't do anything specific with it because probably I'm still working on another video at this point, right? Because of that shipping lag and the whole email back and forth. But there might be something where it'll come up where I need to use it for something or it would fill a certain application. And so then I get to use it more organically, not where I'm forcing it, but that it it kind of comes up. This only works if you have time. Sometimes you get a, a thing, a camera for four days and you know, okay, I'm going to go hard on this. The second I get it, I'm going to start testing it because I don't have any other time. But if I can, I like to do it a little bit slower, see how I would use it organically. Again, keep making notes on things because it works a lot better that way. Say you want to pick something up and you're like, oh, it's dead, but it was fully charged you might not have noticed that it died in two days if you were just actively testing and keeping it charged up. So then you can make a note. It's like weird. I set it on the shelf and then it was dead. Just like little things like that come up. And I think that's one of the reasons why people always ask like, how does, how, how did he think to test that? Or how did he even find that problem? It's the way that I tried, I try to approach things in a way where problems would reveal themselves just based on the way that I do things. Anyway, once all that's kind of done and then I actually have applications for it, then I put them in the application whatever it would be in the case of a light bulb, I stuck it in the socket and turned it on. Right. Um, and then I almost just kind of try and break it, not like, you know, like hit it with a hammer or whatever, but just make it do all the things that it's supposed to do or that the manual says it's do, but put them in extremes and, and make them do things maybe in a weird order and that kind of thing. And just see if weird stuff happens because that can be useful bug reports for companies to, you know, improve their products or whatever. And so I do a, a, a cycle with that. And then, then there's sort of, I guess, the, the more normal case where you just actually use the product as intended and test it and see, like, with the light bulb, yeah. you might test its, its like, light output and, and the, the, you know, results on a light meter and that kind of thing and record those down. And then you try it, and then I spend the next day or two trying to, I guess, write that into a sequence that I think 
I guess my goal is always to never give you a moment's rest when you're watching the video. It's like, as soon as you're watching something, there might be an idea or a question that comes to your head. I want to immediately clobber that as a transition that you didn't even really notice and then jump into like another topic. And I try to write a script that does that where it's like just constantly bombarding you with the next possible problem or question that could come up until the video is over. And then you just feel like you're like, well, I guess that's that light. I don't, I mean, what else is there to really talk about? You know, I miss things, of course. There's people in the comments that every time are like, I never even thought of that. So and that goes in the next video, I guess, you know. Um, but that's the approach right up until I actually go to record my talking head. That's the whole prep side of it. I don't know. Did I, did I answer that well? Yeah, no, that, that answered. So, so from beginning to end, um, you know, how long is it typically for, for your process when you're, yeah. When you're making your, your review videos or your in-depth, you know, videos about color spaces and profiles and all that. I mean, ideally I'd like to have, okay, like I don't need longer than probably like two weeks or something like that. But uh, there's times obviously where I have to be flexible based on if it's an embargo or, or limited time mm -hmm. with something. But if it's a topic where I'm just, it's not based on gear and I can just, you know, take my time with it. I'll usually spend a few days like researching and writing and that kind of thing. And, uh. Then it takes me about a day probably to shoot everything. Well, I, it's a two-day process for me to like shoot and edit, depending on whether it's more shooting or more editing, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the video. But I can probably do that in about two days. So altogether, I, I could I could turn on one of these videos in under a week. Um, but I've done it faster. I've done a video in like three days if I need to for something else. And other times the videos take me like two weeks. I suppose my ideal situation would be if I had a full week to just take it at the pace that I wanted. I, f I feel like I wouldn't feel extremely rushed. The only time that that does is like if it's a cin cinema camera, then then it's, you know, there's just so many things to go over and so many just buttons to press to see if they break. You know what I mean? Just so many yeah. like little things <laughs> just to test them. So the simpler an object, I suppose, the easier it is. And if it's just a theory video, then it's easier. I spend more time in the edit on those probably with like animations and text and stuff like that than I do um, testing anything because what's there to test really, you know? Yeah, I guess it varies. I got I got to ask because sometimes your your videos they just you have you're relaying so much information. How many takes does it take sometimes <laughs> on those? Because they they go on for sometimes you're you're diving into really in deep inf uh, information, and if you remember all that off the top of your head, wow, that's amazing. But I, I got to ask how many takes sometimes on those. <laughs> it depends on the day, man. Sometimes they're brutal. Sometimes they're just crushing it. Uh, I, I don't leave it in the video, obviously, but there'll be a couple. If you if you saw my outtakes, there's some sections yeah. where I'm like, "Did you see that? I went for like seven minutes, like with, without botching <laughs> a word, you know." Like, and that gets cut out of the video, but it's me just being like, "Holy, oh, I crushed it," you know. But there's other times where if you saw the outtakes, I, I sometimes include those ones because they make me laugh. Where yeah. there was one on the most recent video I just did where I kept saying it was just like a really silly sound. I, I think I was trying to say like. It has a, just the first three words of a sentence. And I kept saying like, uh, I kept saying it backwards, like is, is hasa or something like that. I could, I, <laughs> but it's like such as, I was trying to, I was trying to jump in from another cut. So like a, a, the scene ended. So I'd like, or like I had a jump cut. So it's kind of like get back in my pose. And I'd be like, okay, it has a, I'm like, is hasa. He's has a, and then like, if you look at the thing, I said that like 30 times in a row. Like it took me probably 15 minutes to say that line. I just, I even tried changing the line to something else like on the fly. I just couldn't start that sentence. And that happens rarely, but it's the funniest stuff ever. Like by the time, if you're not crying laughing, you're doing it wrong because it's just, a, it's completely absurd, you know? 
Um, I think we need a solid outtake video for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose a fair answer, like a balanced one, would be things have changed a little bit. I use a teleprompter m mostly now, I would say, where it's almost based on my set. If When I was shooting in the other direction, I had like the shelves behind me and everything. Those videos were memorized. Um, now, I had my notes up so that it's almost like you could pass the script, like if you were, you know, like acting, you'd be like, ah, I need the script supervisor over here so I could check the script. So I, ha I have the script so I could check it. But I memorized those videos. And in some ways, that makes those videos maybe more impressive or more intricate. Even though I would say maybe my scripts have developed a little bit, but they, they're easier to, you don't have to memorize. I don't have to memorize as much now. I still do read through it a few times so that if I get lost. In the, you might notice in my videos, I try not to look like I'm reading from a teleprompter. So I think I must still memorize the script a little bit because I look off and I, I make it look like I'm thinking and talking about stuff without action. But the teleprompter keeps flowing and I'm able to kind of keep on topic, which has saved me record time. My record time has gone down from probably about three hours on those on the old set videos to 45 minutes to an hour now, which is substantial week over week after a year or whatever. Like that adds up. Yeah, that's so. that's huge. So it's good, but um, in that, the original memorization one, that would be frustrating if you botched a take because it would always be at the end. So you would, ha you would have like two or three whole paragraphs memorized before you'd have to just like check your script to make sure you know what you're saying next. And you'd, you'd, you'd blast off the two or three paragraphs and the last word, you were just supposed to say square, but you said squeal or something like that. And then you're like, great. Just because, I don't know, you ran out of spit in your mouth and you just said some stupid word. And now now I don't know, I don't want to have multiple jump cuts in there. So then I'm like, well, I don't know where I was or where the take, so I'll just start it over again. So repeating those whole paragraphs multiple times is what made it take three hours. Now, if I botch a word, I just go up in the teleprompter a little bit and I can just kind of say it again. The whole thing's a little bit peppier. Yeah. But yeah, there's outtakes. So guys, <laughs> if, if you're doing YouTube, and you mess up a bunch. Don't worry about it. Even Gerald O'Dunn messes up. That's that's great. I try to make it oh, look I like I don't though, and it and it seems to work for you. You said that when you watch it. <laughs> well, that. I I love when you do include some of those outtakes at the end, or or even in the middle of the video. Sometimes or it's it's been it's been hilarious, and that's I think what attracts so many people to your videos, and and probably. Uh, I would argue, you know, I'm guessing if you looked at your analytics, your watch through rate is probably fantastic, and that's because you put a lot of your own personality. It's, it's not, they're not dry videos, even though the information sometimes um, is so technical, your videos are still fun to watch because, because of you and your personality. Um, I think it's great that you put a lot of humor into your videos. You start your videos a lot with a quote, some of just random quotes from your subscribers. Where did that come from? What have been some of your favorites um, when starting your videos? So that was actually um, me. So I used to have an intro where I still have it. You know how I say like, what's happening at the beginning of all my videos? I used yep. to like have a really exaggerated version of that where I'd say like, what's happening, everybody? And uh, it was me leaning into the fact that I usually do like this weird falsetto voice just naturally when talking. And uh, I did it one time organically and then I just leaned into it, right? Because people thought it was funny. But unfortunately, if you're new to my channel and you've never seen me before, and especially in the early days when, you know, not to sound big time, but like you said, other YouTubers have kind of like validated and shared my channel since then. And this original thing, nobody knew who I was and I was trying to get people to watch me. So just some guy you don't know that apparently might have an answer to something you're looking up and he starts his video being like, what, wow, wow, you're like, ah, it's obnoxious. 
And I, a lot of people, some people loved it, but it's your, your current fans love it already. The, it's hard to get new people if you come across as obnoxious in the first like couple seconds, right? So I started changing it in kind I don't remember like how early on it was, but something, I think early somebody made kind of like a, 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 a semi-critical response. It was like, instead of saying that, you should just say something like this or something like that. And so... But I, I think, I, I, I'm having trouble remember, but I think it was like they were Australian or something like that. So I started my intro by instead of doing my regular intro, I put their comment up on the screen and then said what they told me to say, but in an Australian accent to kind of be like a little bit of a jerk back with the comment, right? <laughs> and then there was another comment in that video saying like, next time you should say this. And I think it was another Australian thing because they liked my Australian accent. But that other people, it eventually just evolved into that where I kept putting comments up on the screen, but they developed a format, I suppose, because... I always started them with like what's I kept the what's so it's like what's happening everybody I'm Gerald and Dunn and you know fad dinkum mate or whatever was one of the earlier ones and I didn't <laughs> and then eventually just developed into like hey this is the thing and people keep putting them in the in the comments so I'll just keep doing it and now it's I guess become a pretty regular like every video has probably a dozen or so of them in the comments so I have infinite supply and some of them are hilarious. What's been some of your favorite? <laughs> um, one that was so good because of the timing for it was I was doing a video on color correction or whatever, and there was a, uh, I'm Gerald and Dunn, and I like big Lutz, and I cannot lie. And that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Like, it's a pretty bad dad pun or whatever, but it's it's funny. Um, I really liked, I, I like movie quote ones a lot, so there was one recently. It's probably not, like, the best one or whatever, but I was holding, I don't know if anybody appreciated this one, but I thought it was funny. I was holding the Polar Pro filter. And I did the Pulp Fiction line of like, and this is a tasty burger. And it, it's, I don't know, it's stupid because I'm holding a Polar Pro that kind of looks maybe a little bit like a burger patty. But um, I don't know, there's so many good ones. The song lyric ones that uh, there was one recently from Toto's Africa. I guess especially if you can plant a song in people's heads or if they're just absurd. I don't know. They're they're really, if I, if I put them in the video, it's more like that was my favorite one of the like 20 or 30 that I got that week, you know, so they're all pretty good. The, um, they're an, a really good one, um, too, is because I just, I, it's one of my favorite things is, was it Norm MacDonald? No, it was Chevy Chase used to end Weekend Update or started, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think it was like, welcome to Weekend up Update, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. I think, it, I think that's who it was. I'm sure one of your listeners is probably like, it's not that, you got the guy wrong. Um, so when somebody gave me that one, I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I was like, somebody one day is gonna think that's a perfect opportunity to say I'm Gerald and Dunn, and you're not. And so when they gave me that one, I was kind of like, yes, it's happening. You know, I finally got to do that one. I don't know. Do you that's know what I'm great. talking about? You ever watch SNL? I feel like oh, I watch S. I mean, this me and my old, wife will watch SNL, and the only thing we will watch is we'll watch the the very beginning till they say, and this is Saturday uh, yeah. Saturday night, and then we'll fast forward to you know weekend update. <laughs> Do you so, only part? Do you remember what I'm talking? Do you remember the and you're not? I feel like it was Chevy Chase, but I don't know if you watched old school SNL or not. But yeah, I, I feel like I've it's ringing a bell. It sounds like I can picture him saying that. I'm telling you, there's so somebody we'll listening right now that's just yelling. They're like, "You idiots!" It's ob you know what I mean. They just know what it is because it's famous. Anyway, yeah, tweet us if we're wrong. <laughs> um, so we I've already mentioned it how so many people will just share your links of your videos when they have questions. But even more recently, uh, you've had a lot of brands, it seems like, really value your input um, and your reviews. You've um, been featured 
you know, by Polar Pro reviewing their filters. And I, I think, didn't you even make it onto the Sony website, I believe, with uh, one of your reviews, right? Yeah, they uh, that was pretty pretty cool. They um, featured yeah. me in there. Um, recently, I, well, the newsletter is how I knew about it. I was in their, their like newsletter as in like, oh, and there's, if you want to know more about the A7S three, and then it was my stupid face. And I was like, cool. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. and so they instead put me of on them sharing information from their yeah. experts, they just go to Gerald, <laughs> which is, it's pretty which wild. Is great. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. I guess like it's, here's the thing. I'm sure that if it's easy to look at that angle to say like to, to maybe take my perspective and look at it more as if like it's endorsed or paid by or funded by Sony or whatever. But it was, it actually went the other way around. I just made my review. I really love the camera from a company's perspective. If you've got somebody just delivering a glowing review that's doing well and covers a lot of technical specs, whatever, I guess you could just think, well, we'll just take that, you know, cause it's, it's done. So that was how it actually happened. I like Sony never told me or like, said ahead of time, you know, and we're looking for some videos to feature or whatever, just all of a sudden I'm just in their newsletter. So it's, it's, it's 95% good, 5% bad because it kind of makes it seem like a little bit less impartial or unbiased in, in my, in my video, you know, but, um, it happened. So did somebody tell you that that happened? Um, or did you just notice it by opening up the, I, the newsletter? I don't even get the newsletter. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, Josh Yo, I think was the one that he, he sent me, a, I think he emailed it to me. He forwarded me the newsletter and he was really happy for me. Uh, and I was like, oh, look at that. Yeah, honestly, I had no idea. Um, but then people were commenting on the video saying, oh, I just got here from the newsletter, you know, congrats and that kind of thing. So um, I was like, wow, I guess there's people that, this is gonna, I'll do my best to sound as humble as possible. Like the video did really well and I'm happy about it, right? But um, it's been kind of like jokingly known as like the A7S three video. So I guess I kind of thought that anybody who cared had seen it. You know what I mean? Like I was like, if if, mm -hmm. if you're out there, I know if it's me, if I'm searching for something, I'm going to watch all the videos. So I figured if, if you care about that camera, you've seen the video already. But there were still quite a few people that came over from the newsletter. So I was like, oh, look at that. There's more people that hadn't seen it. So one, I guess their newsletter is still effective. I mean, there's some validation on that. Uh, and two, it helped help me and my and my video and stuff so yeah it's pretty wild uh in general and so do you do well do you um that video obviously as you mentioned wasn't paid for by sony it wasn't a sponsored video do you do much other than i know you do story blocks yeah. but other than that for camera gear do you do a lot of sponsored content no it's or not really I've, or work with brands i've done a handful um i've done some stuff with polar pro uh i guess for me there's, it's, it's tricky spot because there's some brands where you wouldn't want to make it a conflict. So I feel like for me, it would have to be the, I don't know if we just do like, you know, Canon, Fuji, Sony, Panasonic, that kind of stuff. It's like, I, I can't, I don't think I can do a sponsored video. It would have to be, it would almost have to be what, um, some of the ambassadors and that kind of thing do where it's maybe if you helped work on a piece for their launch or something, but I don't think that I could do like editorial stuff for those cameras. If also there was other stuff editorial wise that I was doing that was being sponsored videos. It just seems like it'd be a conflict. So it's more like, I guess, accessories and that kind of stuff would be as far as I would go because obviously the, I don't know, it, it's, it's tricky. The best deals for me are ones that are completely removed. Like, you know, Storyblocks is still relevant to my audience, but I don't have, to, if like, I don't have to worry about being conflicted by Storyblocks sponsoring a video while I'm doing a review of Panasonic or whatever. There's, no, there's not really a conflict there, yeah. but it would be like impossible to do a paid Fuji video and then give you a straight face and then 
review a competing product the next week or whatever. So I guess that's where I draw the line. On accessories like Polar Pro and stuff like that, if I like the product and then they want to, you know, pay me to do an educational piece for them or something, um, I'm, I'm okay with that because if there's something to talk about, I guess, in this case it was how does diffusion work in the more recent video, you know? Because I don't know, I don't feel like that's as much of a conflict for me when it comes to, um, you know, big cameras and lenses and big ticket items, you know? Yeah, yeah no, I think it's great too because you're holding yourself to your own ethical values on on your, on your channel and you're treating it like a business, which at this point, you know, you it, when your channel gets this big, you almost need to operate it as a business because the, well, like, this is your business, right? Yeah, for last, I don't know how long, but over a year, this has been, it's probably been, I think I've been saying over a year for closer to two years now. Um, it's just one of those things where you just get a sound bite. You're like, yeah, for over a year, I've been doing YouTube full time. Actually, it's been a while now, probably like, I think it was the end of 2018 that I stopped doing like client work, I think. Um, what kind of client work were you doing? Like corporate videos and, you know, promo bits and stuff like that for businesses and like a small business promotion, that kind of thing. Um, and before that, we were doing a photography business, but I left the photography business, I don't know, in that in that sort of crossover year where I was like leaning into doing YouTube more full-time, still doing some video projects, you know, a couple a month kind of thing for clients. And then the, the YouTube revenue hits kind of like my basic bill threshold that I set for myself, which was quite low because I kept all my costs down in order to give myself more runway for YouTube because obviously you, you don't make any money for a while, right? Um, but once I, I guess, hit the like the minimum thing, then I was like, okay, now it seems reasonable to put all my energy into it and then try and try and grow it. Was it your goal to begin with um, to try to do YouTube full-time? Yeah, I know. You know what? Looking back on it, I think maybe I've, I've like retconned my memory to think like, no, I mean, I knew that what I was doing was absurd, but I honestly think I thought that, that it would work. I think so. I'm pretty sure I did. I don't know what, cause I, I put it quite a bit of work in it. Like even just, I'm talking about the absurd comedy videos and that kind of thing. I feel like I thought that that was going to work out. Like I said, it seems naive now based on how I know how YouTube works, especially like with the, and that was just, that came in just before the like monetization stuff that was changing and the, uh, you know, restricted videos, this, and, and I don't like all the different policy changes that have happened at YouTube over the last like three years. I came in even before that. So even now, maybe that's why I feel like it seems sillier to think that I, that that would have worked out full time, you know, um, with the stuff that I was making, not like the stuff I was making was offensive. It's just, you have to navigate, um, the different policies and stuff like that. And some of the stuff I was making was, you know, pretty goofy. And anyway, um, so I do think I did think, I, I do think I did think that, it, that <laughs> it was going to go, that it was going to work out. But it, like I said, I, I, as I was doing it, I was having some success early on with certain types of videos, just not with other ones. So I guess it ultimately became a, an active decision to say, I think it will work for going full time if I focus on this stuff. But it gotcha. won't if I keep doing this other stuff. It's, I just, there's no evidence. I might have had to do that for like five years to get it to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. And, and it has worked out. It's, it's been great. I, I know, 
you know, we, I've said it multiple times already in this podcast that so many people value your input and your videos. I want to talk about now though, a, a new series, sort of new that you're doing. And that's the, the studios undone, which are fantastic. You, Thanks. you go and visit other people's YouTube studios and, and do a, a tour. Um, where did the idea for that start? And, um, maybe kind of just walk, walk us through that whole process that, that you do to do one of those studio undone videos. All the questions, not all, but several of the questions you've asked about my process are going to make people think, and maybe fairly so, that I just kind of stumble into ideas uh, <laughs> because all the all the origin stories are so like, well, I was doing something completely different. And then, <laughs> and then this That's guy. where all good ideas come from though, Gerald. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but uh, so this one, it's so backwards. I had done an integration with Storyblocks in so the the studios and done thing was a plan for 2020 like there was a 2020 project so in like the last quarter of 2019 i did an integration with storyblocks and the integration was silly and i didn't really know how to incorporate it but even then i was i was trying to always think of ways to integrate the sponsor spot so it wasn't just like like a mid-roll ad it was like part of the video and i was doing this really weird video where i was trying to make my own color checker with like paint swatches at home depot but the video was the video didn't work out because you can't do that, I found. Um, so I just needed to kind of like make it more fun because I still thought it was a fun idea. So I had this sponsor integration and I made the the Storyblocks footage, the, the stock footage aspect was like how I was going to get to Home Depot. And so I made this montage of like 20 different travel techniques and there was like a steam train and kayak and everything or something. And um, I thought it was funny and the audience thought it was funny and then I kind of forgot about it. But then... Storyblocks, I guess that was, I don't know, one of maybe three different integrations that I did in that last quarter. And then they wanted me to do like a longer term commitment for 2020. And so I was trying to think, I was like, what am I, like, how am I going to do that interesting sponsor integration thing? But long term in 2020, I was like, I need some kind of like recurring idea or a bit or whatever. Parallel to that, I had this other idea where I wanted to do um, collaborations. I wanted to travel more and use my channel as a way to travel more where maybe I could somehow make it a business thing. And and so I was like, well, maybe I can make it like collaborations and that'll be worth the trip, like worth the trip or whatever. And at some point I thought of, oh, I could use a Storyblocks thing. Maybe I could do more of those like travel sequences using stock footage. And then that could be the segue to get to these, uh, the collaborations studio. But I still didn't have an idea of what I was going to do when I was there. So <laughs> it was just kind of like, okay, great. I've got a series figured out. I'll use stock footage to get places. But then uh, maybe we should flesh this idea out a little bit more. So it honestly, the idea was was centered on using stock footage for stupid travel montages. So that's what I thought was the funniest part. Um, and well, it definitely is the funniest part. And then it's, the rest of the hilarious. idea I stole from Linus Tech Tips. Uh, and I'll admit it because... I, that's what I did. I, I I was I remember watching Linus Tech Tips video. I think I think it was the Marquez Brownlee one. He doesn't do them very often, but he has he's a handful of them. Mm -hmm. He yeah. went to Marquez's studio and just made fun of him basically for uh, different things that he was doing. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And but nobody was doing that for more of the like small to medium size channels. It was only these like giant creators with giant studio spaces. And I was like, but there's a lot of interesting studios you know, for, you know, smaller spaces and that kind of thing. So it's like, maybe I'll do my own, like making fun of people's studio tours and then I'll be able to integrate some of the comedy that's been missing on the channel and that kind of thing. So I just, you see, you could see it just kind of like an integration of a bunch of ideas put together. And then Josh was 
kind enough to let me be like the beta the beta test guy. We worked out some of the ideas together. He was helpful with some of the some of the ideas and kind of modeled it with him on his studio and then took took it to the road after that, you know, after the Josh one. So make art yeah, now. Yeah, they've been great. What was, what's know. been your favorite travel montage that you've done for those? I know my favorite. Do you? Let me think. Yeah. Or okay. So I uh, you know, I I really like the effect of the Joshua one, to be honest. I thought it was absurd, the hot air balloon idea. And then we added in a little foley of like a blowtorch. And then I put like a bright like red light on Josh's face to make it look like there was a fire outside. I think that one worked really well. Um, but I think most of them are actually like I, I try to keep them on a similar level, but maybe maybe I just sentimental to the first one. I don't know. What's your favorite one? <laughs> My favorite one is your latest one with uh, Chris and Lizzie. Just the, the zip line. It, I think it's the zip line, and you just hand Chris the helmet like <laughs> here. <laughs> I thought that was great. Thanks. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. Doing those, have have you taken away anything from from doing those? Um, what have you learned maybe from visiting other people's studios and and collaborating with them on these studio tours? Yeah, there's one thing I talk about all the time because it's actually really, like, really helped. I I saw so Josh was doing it, Farouk or uh, iPhoneo was doing it, um, and uh, Tyler Stallman as well. I feel like there might have even been a fourth. They all had like a either a TV screen or a big computer monitor at or around their camera for for seeing themselves. Where I was just using like little monitors, right? And I also had another little monitor that was like wirelessly controlled, and I could see myself like that. I'm doing an animation here for an audio only podcast of like <laughs> I'm hunched over pretending to use my little monitor. <laughs> um, but all of them, including Farouk, which had like this giant like I don't know, like 50 inch TV or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, and it was just basic ideas of like, yeah, it lets you see easier if you're in focus and lets you see fine details on your framing. And like, it just seems so obvious that almost as soon as I got back from that first round of studio tours, I like immediately was like, I'm going to get myself a monitor and plop it right in front of myself. And then, and then I even made a video on this. It was like, look, I, <laughs> I've been seeing this idea where it's such a good idea. Here's some monitors that work well for that. Because obviously, if you shoot 24p, you need a monitor that can do 24p. Where that's the difference between like a cheap monitor and you know like a monitor made for cameras is the frame rates and stuff they can support. So I was like, I, I got to figure out what monitors you can do this and how you can do this as cheaply as possible because it's so much easier. It was such a great idea. So that's probably the biggest takeaway for me, like for something I've put to use, was that you need to see yourself bake. I don't know. <laughs> It works. <laughs> <laughs> Need to see yourself big. Yeah. I like that. Um, so what's next for your channel, Gerald? Uh, you know, what do you have planned in, in the future? How do you see the, the channel uh, evolving and growing? Well, I've been adapting, obviously, based on um, everything that's been going on in the world. Because uh, I still want to do more of those studio tours. And I did manage to do the Chris and Lizzie one because they're, like, local. And it was, you know, pre-second wave and all that stuff. But... Um, the the for the most part, especially the international ones, they've all been put on hold. So I've transitioned more into. I, I I feel like I've picked up. I've been doing more gear reviews in this these last two quarters than I would have done before. But I still want to do. I, I I still like the mix of things on my channel. I ideally I would just keep doing. If I could only do say four videos in a month, I would do a tutorial, a product review, um, 
one of my like nerdy explanation videos and then maybe a studio tour. That would be my ideal situation. But I'll just fill it in with other things. I still like doing what I'm doing. I don't want to make any big project plans at this moment for the reasons we just discussed, you know. If, yeah. if it was different climate, I probably would have had a better answer for you. But in this time, I guess it's just kind of like my advice is, you know, keep your head down and, and do what's working and, you know, try to ride it out or whatever. So luckily, I'm not hating anything. So I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And there's been a lot of cameras lately that, that if you want to make content on, on cameras, I mean, we've been getting bombarded with some quality quality product releases so almost almost to the point that it was difficult to keep up the last couple months definitely it has been there's been so many great cameras and then what they do at the price that they're at yeah. is just it's it's amazing um kind of to wrap things up i i have to ask for for um everybody listening is coming from gerald what should someone look at if they're if they're getting into cameras what should be the first thing they should look for if they're brand new, getting into picking up their first camera, what suggestions do you have for someone? You know what's tough about that is that I usually always try to reverse the question and find out, you know, what people need and what, what problem they're trying to solve. But it's difficult because if you're new, you might not know the problems you're trying to solve yet. So I guess really do the best you can to uh, narrow down what you're trying to do, like what your purpose is. And usually early on, my advice is to spend spend just a little bit of money to get something broad, beat the hell out of it, and document what you've been doing. And then you can buy more specific gear. and Or then you can approach people or ask questions or look at videos that are now solving the specific problems you have. So in that case, I would probably get a really wide zoom range you know, a lot of cameras you can get like a 24 to 105 or something. I think that's a good place to start. Um, if you can get it with a kit lens at that type of thing, then you'll save some money and why not? And then get a camera that um, I guess fits you. So if you're if you need some small and travelable, then go that direction. In terms of, but or if you're you know shooting video and look for video specs, you can find this kind of broad information. But you you'll just need to not limit yourself too heavily, but also not spend too much money to have every feature, and then just see. I know it sounds like a weird idea, but see what's missing in your life. As far as budget-wise, some of the best options right now, I think, for the money would either be the Fuji, like a lot of the Fuji cameras that you can, I don't know, they have um, the X-T30, X-T3 are both like really good prices, and they can do both photo and video, probably enough for you to find out who you are, what you need, and there's decent, there's like the 18 to 55 lens that, again, will cover a broad range there. With Sony... They have their lower number A6000 series camera, so like A6100, A6400, and a kit lens. Most Both of those options, I think, from Fuji and Sony will set you back between that like $700 to $1,000 price point. Less than that, these days, you're probably better off with your phone. I get asked for like four to $500 camera recommendations all the time, and there are some used deals you can get and some okay entry-level cameras. But they're getting passed by by like phones these days, like pretty quickly to the point of where you kind of have to get in that seven hundred dollars zone, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. So I mean, that's where I would look. Um, and then yeah, just like if you're shooting photos, for instance, be zooming all day long, and then you can pop in Lightroom and look at your focal length. And if you're shooting, you know, thirty five millimeter plus or minus a couple millimeters over and over and over again, well now you know where you are as a focal length. And if when you're shooting that, you're constantly in low light and your pictures are noisy, well, now you know what you need. You know, you need a, 
a full frame camera with a 35 millimeter prime, whatever you can figure it out, and then you can spend good money. I guess that would be my approach to, to a beginner, to somebody who doesn't know what problems they need to solve. To everybody else, don't buy stuff just because it's new or because it's out there. I mean, unless you just got money to burn and it's a hobby. But if you're like trying to spend smart money, um, look at what you're doing, and, and the same answer applies. But you'll probably have more experience now and just know what what problems do you need to solve. And then look for the products that solve those problems. Because it should be all about spending money to make your life easier and make your results better. That would be the most general advice I could give. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, no, it's great. I, the um, My episode of this podcast that just launched today, um, I had uh, Ariel Martinez. He's a cinematographer out of Miami. Yep. He also has a podcast. But he he said it um, the best I've heard is your camera shouldn't work against you. It shouldn't change, change the way you shoot. You got to pick, uh, you know, a piece of gear that that's going to work with you and, and complement, you know, kind of your style and what you're doing already. I thought, I thought that was a great yeah, point. That's that's spot on. Yep. Well, Gerald, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks, thanks for your time. It's it's Pleasure. man, I, I it's such a privilege to have you on and, and be able to talk to you, um, and and meet you for the first time. So I appreciate it. Where can people, uh, you know, find? Gerald Undone. Uh, nowhere really. I was planning on deleting all my social media and channels uh, shortly after this podcast. So this will be my my farewell. Uh, it's been a good run. Uh, <laughs> I'm going off the grid. No, I'm just, I'm Gerald Undone everywhere. Just type that into something. And if I don't show up, I don't have one of those. But <laughs> if I do show up, I use it pretty actively. So you can engage with me there. I will link everything down in the show notes. Gerald, thanks again for coming on the show. And for you guys listening at home, in your car, wherever you're listening, uh, when you're done listening to this podcast, make sure you leave a five-star rating and written review in the Apple Podcast Player. It really does help get the show out there to more people. And I appreciate you guys listening each and every week. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>